I know there's no way that I'm sniping you here because I've already actually talked to you about this. Um, and we're just going to go a little bit of, of a bigger deep dive into our topic today. But I guess for those of you who don't know, I recently moved to Hawaii. Um, and so I've been living here now. And one of the be- nice things about living in a new place and not really having much of a social life is you can spend so much extra time on uh, a deep dive for the weekly hook. So nice. I'm really excited <laughs> for this one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so today, I, I guess I don't really have a preamble for this because, I mean, as you so astutely did last time where you asked a poignant question about the film industry as a whole and whether or not we should place animation into it. I'm not going in that direction at all. We're not talking about animation. I'm just admiring the way that you structured that episode, Chris. So good job on you. Thanks. Today, I have no such uh, theoretical preamble, but I'm going to go straight into what we're going to talk about. And that is a show that you and I have talked about, um, but it'll officially be off air. I don't think this show's ever, the episode that we recorded will ever be released. So with that said, we're going to talk about um, an Apple TV Plus show called Severance. Have you checked it out at all? Nope. It's on my list. But... Perfect. That's great. And hopefully after I'm done talking about it today, it'll be higher up on your list. So this show that just actually finished its first season a few weeks ago at this point, what is time anymore, was created by Dan Erickson and six with six episodes directed by Ben Stiller. Yes, the same Ben Stiller that was from all those romantic comedies in the early 2000s. All those horrible, horrible movies. I know, right? Like, But I'll be, I'll be, honestly, what an amazing transition of his career. If you told me that the star of what Meet the Parents in 2000 <laughs> would be directing what I think is one of the best shows of 2022 so far, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have believed you. I mean, he's really carved out a niche for himself as this auteur director, which blows my mind. Yeah, it's like Nicolas Cage, who's just done a 180. I mean, Nicolas Cage and Pig was oof, I know. officially the best actor or our favorite actor in 2021, yes. right? What are years? That's... God, I can't. What even is time? Exactly. Second time we've asked that question on this <laughs> podcast so far. Off to a good start. And also, wait, we can't forget Aoife McArdle, who... Rec- also direct the remaining three episodes. I just want to shout out to her as well. So um, it's not all Ben Stiller's glory as director for the show, but had the idea was conceived by Dan Erickson himself. And of course the show has an amazing cast, which is highlighted by the lead Adam Scott, who plays Mark Scout. And I'll just list off a few names. Uh, Britt Lowe, John Torturo, who I'm sure you know, Zach Cherry, and I think most surprisingly, and I think his first appearance on television in a long time, Christopher Walken is in this show. Oh, interesting. And the only thing that I'll say about the show is the following. I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to create too many spoilers, but I just need to highlight the premise a little bit so I can talk about my, my thoughts about it. And... I'm going to just take what I'm going to show what I'm going to say from the premise section on the show's Wikipedia page. <laughs> Everyone's favorite source, of course. And I'll say quote, a sinister technology corporation, Lumen, 
uses a severance medical procedure to separate the non-working memories of some of their employees from their work memories. One severed employee, Mark, gradually uncovers a web of conspiracy from both sides of the division. So that's all you're going to get from plot from me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that idea is just so good, honestly, right? to have like memory loss or like different, and I think also different personalities, whether you're at work or not. We'll get into it. We'll get yeah. into it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 please. Uh, I, I relish the interruption. As we look deeper, it's a reflection of society's troubled relationship between people and their workplace. For anyone who's felt the mundaneity of going back to work day after day, changing our personalities, acting differently, feeling like you, like the real you, doesn't belong. And for me, on that note, it hits really, really hard. I mean, I, as someone who lived that life and felt the corporate world largely unfulfilling, this show is an amazing foray into these questions and larger societal questions as well. And there's, there's actually one other detail. Sorry, I lied. <laughs> one detail I have to give out just for convenience sake of our conversation. And that the show's most important premise is that its severed employees have no connection to the outside lives, right? But they're still the same person. And the show references the person living on the outside as the Audi and the person living in the office as the innie. Um, that's some and, of Ben Stiller's humor showing, uh, showing through I must assume uh, there's no humor to it they don't reference it in a funny way I think one person on the outside has a snide remark about it but other than that it's just kind of taken at face value um, but that's kind of just like that terminology and that focus is will just help me make my conversation a little bit easier to understand so just a few upfront positives before I get into it a little bit more this has been a very long introduction. Welcome. I think obviously it has great characters with character growth from both halves of the personalities. Um, but where the main character, Mark, sort of starts at the show versus his Innie and his Audi versus where both of them end by the end of the show, both amazing journeys. And the fact that they're able to do that with the same actor working two different, essentially, people is phenomenal. And... I'm also not really one who cares too much about plot points. I don't have we talked about on air about how I don't really judge film based on plots. No, we have okay, not. Okay, well, that that could be a whole separate discussion because I have a whole rant about that. Please. But, I mean, if you want, this uh, is a safe space. Well, I'll just keep it in short. I think good or plot in general is a foundation to a house. You need a good plot to create a good show or whatever, but it's not really Everything that's important in what I look at television or film is the house itself. While foundation is important, while the plot is important, everything else is more interesting to me. The visuals, the writing, the, the soundtrack, everything that we're talking about is kind of the house itself, what you're looking at. So I don't really judge stuff on plots, uh, but we can have a debate about that if you want it at a later date. Let's have a rematch. I know, right? <laughs> Um, but this show, I think, does have interesting plot twists. And for, for someone for me to bring that up, I think is a really big deal because it's not something I typically care too much about. I think the show, of course, has fundamentally amazing writing and performances for each severed person to inhabit two versions of themselves. 
and deal with those nuances as actors, as performers, is, I think, unprecedented in terms of television. And I think also the subtlety of the writing is great. It, it's a show that rewards you for actively following along and thinking about it instead of just watching the show while you're doing something else on your phone, which is, I think, what a lot, how a lot of people watch stuff nowadays. Really? Yeah. That's never how I watch anything. I mean, you're an exception. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm either fully committed or just don't watch it. Yeah. Also, like, the whole double screens thing. You're you're yes. adding more screens to your life, which is not what you I don't want to do. That. That's very true. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of shows out there which you can just half watch and you can get everything about the show. And people do that quite often. Um, I think that the best shows are things that reward you for following along actively. And I think that this show really definitely hits that. I wouldn't be bringing it up if it didn't hit that mark, at the very least. But it begs to be mentioned for sure. So, I mean, I like the premise, right? I think you already are drawn to the premise. And at face value, mm -hmm. it seems like a sci-fi show with like a sci-fi premise, right? Um, but when you think about it closely, how different from reality is it? Like bleeding between two lives of inside work and outside work for is inevitable. And for many, leaving work in the workplace and coming home to engage with the rest of the world is sort of a coping mechanism that we use to deal with the drudgery of modern day office life. I think in in a conversation about the good sci-fi in general the best science fiction i think reflects our lives and allows us to see the world a little bit differently than we do now and while all all good stories reflect society to a certain extent what's great about science fiction or what i would call i guess in this case it's really a subtle science fiction because the entire world is basically the same but this one variable is changed is that What's cool about it is that the rules of the world are so familiar, and it be so it becomes in easy to engage with. And it also, by the nature of it having a, a quote-unquote pseudo-scientific explanation for its context, its rules, sort of the base upon which it is built and the base upon which our engagement is then solidified, is easily transmittable through the screen. You can easily understand what's going on and understand the rules. Like so, so how many times do we watch something in fantasy or sci-fi or whatever and asks like, that makes no sense to me. Like, what? Why is this happening? What's going on? And sometimes you get very convoluted answers. Oh, it's because this guy did this thing thirty years ago and did this plus this minus this equals this, and that. I mean, these rules often you know, can become convoluted, are not explained, just make no sense sometimes. And of course, they make no sense according to the rules of our world, our existence. But within the world being created on the screen, whatever is being conveyed must make sense as well. Sort of every inch of that road needs to be paved meticulously. And it's important that the, un the audience can understand what's going on so that we can then invest. And I think that's one thing that Severance does beautifully. It's a drama set in our reality and has a somewhat of a sci-fi premise and it brings the audience in with its humanity and a reflection of our own life and what's cool about it is that like 10 minutes goes by and you already feel like you're part of the world that's on the screen 
And you can already feel that that world could very well one day be our own. And I think that's an amazing uh, juxtaposition between sort of a fantastical sci-fi versus our own quote-unquote reality. Yeah, it's a great feat for any sort of medium if it just draws you in like that and ma immediately makes you think about the present. Exactly. And I think just a little side note that I'm going to keep beating my head against a brick wall about this, but Star Wars is not sci-fi. Anyone who thinks that <laughs> Star Wars is sci-fi is doesn't understand what Star Wars is, period. Yes. And I don't I just have nothing to say to you, honestly. Yeah. Do your so. homework is what <laughs> exactly. I say to those people. You don't know, understand anything about narrative and anyway. Oh, preach, preach. Love it. <laughs> This could be a whole nother episode. I mean, there are so many thoughts about this show. This show takes me on so many directions that it's this could be like spinned off into 10 different discussions, each little section that I have. And I'm very excited to uncover more of them with you. So beyond it's what I would say really exciting premise or really, really, I guess it easily captures you. This idea is really exciting. And this, I think that one of the show's central messages, and it's not that hidden, I guess, is is that it's about the people who are oppressed by the workplace. I think it, the show is trying to say that work, its mundaneity sort of pushes us down and oppresses us in a way that we don't expect it to do when we sign up to work, when we sign up for this societal expectation of working in some corporate life or whatever it may be. And while a visual example of this is the show's characters when they're in the office wear these really bleak clothes to demonstrate the futility of their work, of their existences. It, it really, the show dips into this absurdist themes, embracing absurd logic of the workplace, this institution that we kind of delve ourselves into and, and, and a theory or a tenant of absurdist theater in and of itself. And I mean, Shout out to Waiting for Godot, which is a book that you gave me uh, by Samuel Beckett. That, thanks to you, I actually re had read before this. So, absurdism. Woo, gotta love it. <laughs> I forgot about that, but yeah. <laughs> it's totally true. I totally gave you that book. <laughs> um, it, in reality, like, what is corporate or really any other bureaucracy other than absurdity? And Preach. <laughs> Exactly, right? Put it on the list of topics to discuss. <laughs> I mean, one could argue and one would argue, or one against us maybe would argue that it's maybe a necessary, necessary absurdity, but it is absurd nonetheless, whatever you think about it. And this situation, this norm that we engage us with us, and I think the show is preaching this message, is, is that it does us harm. It pushes us to our mental limits, breaking us down to our core, And to a certain extent, kind of breaks a level of human uh, relationships that cause us to do things that we regret, whether that's inside the work, whether that regret manifests itself inside the workplace or outside of it, it outside of it, it is damaging. And this the the corporation or the idea of the corporation is part of that world. It's it's not immune from the structures that underlie everything that we're doing because power dynamics are a central relationship that are displayed in this show clearly 
and are a part of our relationship with our corporations, with our quote unquote corporate overlords. And it's sort of our we we trade or our work, our time. Our work is our agreement to the so-called corporate overlord. And it's a tac- it's a tacit admission though that we are submissive in the workplace. And Damien Walter has a really cool um, video essay about the show, and he references a lot of these um, pseudo-communist ideas in his video essay, and he calls it a passive violence by the corporation, which is evidenced by things like corporate uniforms, mandatory rituals, assigned spaces, and all of these things that we're so familiar with, with our sites of controversy in this show. Dealing with power dynamics that make absolutely no sense and bring out this absurdity or is a really is a through line through the show as mark our main character navigates through uh, the bureaucracy of lumen and i guess the thing is at this point i'm starting to veer down towards the road of communism a little bit a little bit or not a lot of bit a lot of bit um so i'm not going to go too much further but the anti-corporate life message of the show is is palpable and it's a call for viewers to reconsider how we think about the relationship between work and life and to what extent we value one over the other. Absolutely. I mean, don't apologize for going down the road of communism. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not apologizing. I'm just going to stop myself before I go a little <laughs> further. <laughs> so on top of its uh, anti-workplace uh, message, I think one other aspect of the show that comes to fruition is... Sorry. <laughs> what, am, what did i write down here <laughs> handwritten notes no typed okay. notes but they're all bleeding you know when you read something and yeah, it just yeah, kind of yeah. like words bleed over each other and then if you put one word in a different part of a sentence it all of a sudden <laughs> the whole sentence makes no sense <laughs> you're just like oh what? man <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is, I think, one of the loopier episodes that we've recorded. I think it's a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I think okay. this is also a lesson for me not to prepare. <laughs> so oh, interesting. interesting. The less preparation I have, the more structured the episodes can be. Or maybe that, that is a lesson for you to not start recording at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> nah, I don't think. I, don't, I think I'm like, I've been up for a few hours at this point. I okay. think it's just like, I think one of the things is that I'm just so excited about this show and the messages uh. that it's bringing that it's it's a lot of things are trying to come out at once. And yeah. no matter what I do, whether I prepare a lot or don't prepare a lot, it's going to be loopy because I'm loopy in the way that I engage with stuff. So just <laughs> like you're, you're along for the ride, whether you I like it or not. Fifth. I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, the, that's our different styles, right? You're structured and I just go with the flow. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> please, please be loopy. I appreciate that. So one other aspect of the show that really does come to fruition is this dual natures of each character that appears. So we, we've talked about the innies and the outies. And in an interview with Mara Webster, Adam Scott, when, he, when he's asked about how he tracks the emotional journeys of his character's personality inside and outside the workplace, he says explicitly that they're not two different characters, that it's still one guy and just two parts of the same person. And that comes to fruition where on the inside, Mark maintains the same emotional feelings that Mark on the outside has. Mark's Audi is grieving. His life is defined a lot by sadness and it becomes one of the reasons he chooses to become severed as a break from this depression. Interesting. 
but his sadness follows him into the workplace and remains with him on the inside. And while that, while he has no memory of it, that emotional resonance remains. And Indy Mark feels everything that Audi Mark does, but he doesn't, he can't emote it because he has no reference to where it comes from. He seems more confused about what's going on. And this is really subtly performed by Adam Scott and all the other actors in their performances and the relationships between the Audis and the Innies. Yeah, I was going to mention that like, you need a really special kind of uh, actor for that sort of role with like playing two characters or two sides of the same coin of one character. That is that is not an easy feat. And Adam Scott, like I didn't think he had this depth, honestly, because I've only really seen him in Parks and Rec or think of him in his role in Parks and Rec. And a sitcom like that doesn't require much range as an actor. But this show really brings out a lot of his talent. And for me, who really has seen Parks and Rec so many times, it took me a minute to be like, wait, this is a different character. This is this is not Adam Scott. I was very confused for a minute, but once you get over that, or once I got over that, I was just blown away. And I think that uh, uh, this is another reflection of our own experiences because it's a similar expectation we have. Whatever stresses or issues we have when we're going on in our lives, because life can be really stressful, obviously, when we enter the doors of the workplace or wherever we're supposed to be, we're implicitly or sometimes explicitly asked to leave everything at the door and we walk in with a clean emotional state slate and i mean you can also extend it to a certain extent that it can be a reflection of society more general with the public and private personas that we have to create this expectation that we are um always okay in the public sphere but in the private sphere we could be grieving and that also exacerbates issues like depression and potential suicide and all these issues and mental health that we are only really starting to talk about a little bit now which still isn't really enough but i'm gonna also take another direction another left turn and put a little like japan hat on for a second and Mm -hmm. one of the central dynamics to a japanese ethos is yeah is what's called honne and tatemae this discrepancy that is really a big part of Jap- Japan and how you engage with the wider society in Japan is this discrepancy between what we actually feel and what we are expected to exude outwards towards society. That social expectation that, I mean, mental health issues in Japan are are exacerbated much more than even places like the United States, Germany, or wherever, wherever we may be. But it's a pressure that pushes us down to our brink. And this show within the workplace, within this choice that's being made by these characters who go into this context work and separate their lives, it brings out that this is not really possible. It's a fallacy. We carry everything with us. And whether we hold it within ourselves, we bottle it down, It this futile construction breaks down so easily. And it's not possible to partition oneself completely, even with a medical procedure that is given within the scientific sci-fi context. But we try as best that we can, and the effects of that on us are really, really damaging. Whew, there's a lot of themes there. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it back for a second and talk a little bit about what's on the screen and sure. talk about cinema, cinematography, if that's okay. No, 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 no. 
Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I know. I know when you're joking all the time, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, but no, I think it's important to talk about cinematography because I think the cinematography of the show is out of this world. So cinematographer Jessica Lee Gagné uh, creates a beautiful story, both and it's it's juxtaposed inside and outside of Lumen Industries. Somehow, inside the show, inside the the building, she's able to make these long corridors of blank white walls just so exciting to watch. It's so weird. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Like I'm sure you know Chris because you're the podcast master. But for those plebs like me, um, there's a podcast called Go Creative Show. Uh, hosted mm-hmm. by Ben Consoli. It's a podcast. It's a so-called, quote, podcast for filmmakers. It's actually a really good um, listen for those who like cinema because every week is just like a different cinematographer. Um, so it's very particular to those who are interested in, in cinematography. And he had Lee Gagné on to talk about Severance. And she talked about her inspiration for filming the show, how she draws on inspiration from the inside of the, the, inside of the building from... Um, those who kind of capture these quirky, big, wide, empty text spaces, things like server rooms, things like uh, yeah, things like that, which have this white, very fluorescent lit, but are really like exciting and have many things going on in them. And from the outside, she kind of uh, draws inspiration from the landscape photography of Louis Baltz. Have you heard of Louis Baltz before? It doesn't ring a bell. No, no uh, I'll take a sec quickly to Google it. I think it'd be interesting. That that's or duck duck go it. That's the a command I guess for wow. you, Chris. You and remember? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see. Yeah. Yes. So I think if you both of you are the listeners and Chris um, are looking at this now, you can you can see what I'm talking about in terms of a visual palette that is kind of beautiful, but also kind of creepy and bone chilling like it's not really warm at all but it's it really makes you want to look at it and you can't stop looking i think it's a beautiful visual palette that she uses it she she references that's her inspiration for filming the outside or framing and picture and taking pictures of wow not filming sorry that's the word moving pictures i'm from the 1930s (laughs) of the outside of lumen so i think that this duality this inspiration of both the inside and the outside is a gorgeous uh, dichotomy and inside lumen is basically lit like my worst nightmare it's like super white in your face fluorescent lights that basically are blinding you always but it's shot with such like a vivacity you can't help but just stare at it and the subtle colors that she adds to the set design or the set design also the set design team is amazing the colors of the the carpets or the little trinkets on the desks that pop out even more when they're juxtaposed against the whiteness of the walls and the lighting is just beautiful and the whiteness and the brightness of the inside juxtaposed with a dark often uh bleak outside this blackness of the outside I think I I might be reading too much into it, but me going on like my own rants is I think it for me evokes this idea of yin and yang and this also this message of separation not being entirely true. And I think it's a beautiful and a very subtle homage to I think one of the show's key messages as it goes forward. Wow. I mean, that sounds, sounds pretty convincing to me. So cinematography 
that's the cinematography aside. Uh, I'm going to talk about one last thing. I promise it's the last like theme that I have to discuss today. And I think it's at the core of kind of a lot of the issues that we've discussed before. And it's a question of choice. I think choice is a central theme. It remains at the periphery of the show, but I think it underpins a lot of it. Because each person in this show chooses to be severed. And in the debates that the characters have outside, in the outside world, they talk about, or they ask questions like, who would ever want to do that? Why would you choose yourself to do this? Like, everyone has a reason for wanting to be severed. And bringing up these questions over and over again, I think, is a reminder of our own choices that we make going into this corporate world, obviously. And I think one key quote from the show happens when Mark says, in response to Heli, who is struggling, or one of the other characters who is struggling to find her place, he tells her that every time you find yourself in this place, every time you find yourself here, it's because you chose to come back. And this is because the Audi, the quote-unquote real person, is the one who chooses to be severed, the one who chooses to keep coming back to the office. And when you do come to the office, your memory is erased and you have this new life as an innie. And similar to these characters, we choose to go to work. We choose to live in our flats with our tap water, laptops, or whatever, all of our luxuries that we have. Or at least we think we have that choice. Because what choice do we really have? What is the cost of losing what we would what would amount to everything if we chose differently? We rely on a choice to propel us forward, but these choices are theoretical and less really grounded or less real that we have. And I think beyond that, what the show demonstrates so well is that while we might make an initial choice, we might choose to go work for this company, oh, because they have some great mission or we connect with them really well, we don't choose all the consequences that come with it. And in the end, we become trapped under the weight of our so-called choices and we struggle to break free from them. Wow. (laughs) I think the show is really deep and I don't think the show is really as bleak as I'm making it out to be. I think it's a really fun ride. just you? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Maybe it's just a reflection of myself, but I think the show does have some very heavy messages about work and life and society. And I obviously recommend everyone watch the show. Um, I mean, but really, really watch it. Uh, Many people watch TV and film just by seeing what's on the screen, what happens. But, and while I think that could be fun, you know, beautiful in some ways, I think for the best that's out there, it deserves to be fully engaged with and thought through as you would a piece of art in a museum. It's not something that you can just kind of stare at, turn off and move on with your life. Engage with it, think about it, and think about the different meanings and what that means for our own society. So I I just hope you check it out. I've had so much fun today just sharing all my thoughts on this show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. It's it's always really fun. Um, I mean, I guess, do you have any questions or can we wrap up here, I guess? (laughs) I mean... Uh, I so my my plan with this show was I've I've heard good things about it and I thought this the I've only heard like the premise of it and uh, I thought oh this sounds really really interesting and so I'm gonna wait until Ted Lasso season three comes out and I will when when I'm gonna subscribe to Apple Plus any, Apple TV Plus or whatever whatever that's called <laughs> I forget. Uh, <laughs> like anyway and then i'll watch it but maybe maybe i can't wait that long so thank you so much for endorsing it of course i mean i'm happy to always endorse this show and luckily we don't have to wait too long i don't think for ted lasso i think it's supposed to come out in the summer at some point so yeah 
But maybe oh, I can't wait until the end of summer, you know? <laughs> Honestly, Apple TV is really killing it. They have some really good yeah. shows on and, and movies, obviously. This is two weeks in a row we're talking about Apple TV stuff. So, <laughs> God, Netflix deserve all the shit that they're going through right now. Get your shit together, Netflix. <laughs> I mean, to be, to be fair to Netflix, they were groundbreaking. Yeah, I mean, but what have you done for me lately? <laughs> You're so unforgiving. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't give Netflix just be money just because uh, they gave me a lot of entertainment in the past. Don't get me wrong, but it is uh, especially because it's so expensive. God, Netflix. Yeah. It's not, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world, but it's like Apple TV is so much cheaper. It's more affordable. Amazon mm-hmm. Prime, at least you get free shipping on top of all the stuff you get to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple TV and Disney Plus has Star Wars, so <laughs> <laughs> and many other good things. And obviously well. Pixar, Star and Wars, Pixar, Star Wars. and Disney, and yeah. if for those of you who care, also Marvel. Yeah, I mean, other, for me, that's a very things. important thing. But yeah, oh man, so this is a fun ride. Um, thank you for letting, like going on this like roller coaster of a journey with me as I process my thoughts simultaneously as try as I try to present them to you. Yeah, I mean, thanks for giving so much insight into it. Um, and like, as I said, like, I can't wait to watch it now. Uh, I'm just finishing up another show that I'm, uh, you know, and then, and then it's it's this one is going to be very high on the list of the next things to watch. Cool. I have, uh, it's very interesting. I'm already like, I have ideas of what I'm going to be talking about for the next few weeks, next few sessions of Weekly Hook. I'm so excited yeah. for this. I, I think the break was great because now we have great momentum moving forward nice yeah i already know what my next three are gonna be so wow 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 love it so if you want to hear what that is tune in to our next weekly hook coming to you at some point in the future i'm not gonna say a date on the air again and pigeonhole uh, myself <laughs> into a release date he hates that listeners he hates that <laughs> well if you did like what you heard and want to support the show um chris what can the listeners do to support the show uh, give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. We also accept donations at a minimum of $10,000. So that's also another I mean, option. Speak for yourself. I'll, I'd take five. Oh, good point. Honestly, I'll take 10 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I thought, I thought I, I'd leave it ambiguous whether I meant five or 5,000. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if you don't want to give us money, but you do want get, to get in contact with us, um, Chris, what can... We don't want to hear from you. No, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> We want to hear from everyone about all your yes. thoughts. What's Absolutely. the best way that listeners can do that, Chris? Uh, the best way to do that is to go to our website seriallyhook.com and you can just find all of our contact info on there perfect as well as Chris's mailing address of course and uh, and social security number and all of those fun things I mean because you definitely have the social security number (laughs) exactly (laughs) 